Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. Kathleen, how are you today? Hi, Amy. I'm great. I'm excited to start. I know. I am too. We've been talking about this for a long time, and it's nice to have our better family travelers with us for this journey. I just, for those of you who are tuning in, I know this is our first recorded podcast. I just wanted to introduce myself. My name's Amy DeCesare. I'm a working mom of three kids and a husband and three cats, and my life generally looks pretty chaotic. Trying to figure out balance is probably an overstatement. Trying not to drop a ball um, is probably a more accurate description of my life. But I love travel, and I feel passionately about it, and my trips are never Pinterest-worthy. But hopefully we've learned a few things along the way that can make your trips and your travel with your family just a little bit better. And I'm bringing to the table a similar family of five, very active. I'm a speech-language pathologist in public schools, so I'm trying to balance a very busy weekday with an open summer and trying to make the most of the time that we have as a family. Sometimes it's hard not to try to want to cram everything in all at once in that short period of free time that we have. And since I've had a history of global travel and lots of backpacking and big, exciting trips, I am trying to find ways to bring that into my family's experiences in a manageable way. But having a family with children between 7 and 12 can make those bigger aspirations a little bit more difficult. So we found a happy middle ground in some more local adventures, and I'm really excited to talk about that too. Amy, in terms of this project in general, we've been talking about it for a really long time, but why does travel matter to you? So. It's funny. I grew up with my mom and dad and my sister, regular family. Our grandmother lived with us. We had everything we needed and a lot of what we wanted, but I think my dad had to do a lot of robbing Peter to pay Paul type of thing. I'm not sure how he made it all work to give my sister and I the experiences we wanted that they gave us at all. And travel was a really important part of my family experience. It wasn't planned out very long. My dad had to figure things out along the way. I remember so many of our trips where if we flew somewhere, he would book the first night and the last night of the trip, and we didn't know where we were staying in between. So this was, you know, pre-internet, pre-any kind of travel app that could help you. The best you could hope for is a trip tick at AAA. You'd go down and get some maps. And my sister and I sitting in the back of the car watching my dad go in to check in at a hotel and seeing if they had a room and if the rates would be okay that we could stay there for the night. And we'd be tired and hungry and really wanting to swim in the pool and watching him. And now that I'm a parent, I can imagine him trying to calculate the budget to see if he could do that place. And sometimes he'd come up and get the smile and we knew we'd be there for the night. And sometimes we were going to drive a little further down the road and find a different hotel or motel. We stayed at a lot of interesting places, some that we would never go back to and some absolutely amazing experiences with this approach. I have learned many things, you know, some rooms that you wouldn't want to go back to. But then again, I also learned how to order and charge to the room when we got a really good deal in Palm Springs when I was a kid. 
And it was the learning and the figuring out. Those were not perfect vacations. I don't think a perfect vacation exists. We were going across the desert in Arizona, and I, who got car sick, had to sit in the back of the seat. And my sister, who did not get car sick, somehow was allowed to sit in the front seat. And the styrofoam cooler that we bought while we were out west was next to me, and it was leaking the entire way. So I am probably the only person who, when I picture going across the desert, pictures it wet because that's how my seat was the entire way. But it was the figuring it out. It was the figuring it out with my sister, the learning to, you know, this was pre having any video in the car. So thank God when my parents finally got us like a Walkman or whatever version of Walkman it was, so we could listen to our own tapes in the back of the car. That was a big, a big, big treat. But it was that time as a family that I remember so much and it's those experiences that I want to give my kids. So right from the start, Wade and I have started traveling with William, partly selfishly, 10 days old. We first trip was to my parents' house three hours away because we were so tired. We were willing to travel three hours with the newborn to take a nap. But that's where this started. And along the way, I think we've come up with a few good strategies. And it's always fun to talk with other people to figure out how they're doing it and making it work. <laughs> so you're... Your experience of travel when you were younger was a vacation, but as a parent, it was to get a nap in. That was your travel. Absolutely. (laughs) The perspective that you took on it was very different. Yep. So I have this very similar memories of family trips myself. We took a trip to Florida driving from Connecticut with a family of five in a station wagon and the car broke down halfway there and we were on the side of the road and it was this big adventure and where were we going to sleep that night and I don't know if my friends memories of their Disney vacations included sitting on the bank of the highway for four hours while they heard their parents try to stay very calm with each other but now that we have a family driving around our neighborhood to get a nap in was our outing for the day Those early years of young children, you're getting out in the world and traveling and getting a break can look very different than those ideals of memories that we are carrying with us from our own childhoods. But our kids are getting older now, all six of our children between the two of us, and travel is becoming a different vocabulary word. So how is the concept of travel evolving for your family from just getting out of the house to what is the purpose for you? I think a couple different purposes. It's still to get out of the house and that feeds my need to see something new and do new things. I feel like I'm the best mom when I'm planning something and on the go with my kids. And I'll be honest, like the pandemic has been a struggle because that doesn't bring out the best in me. The sitting at home, playing the board games. My favorite things to do with my kids are talk with them and do things with them. And we've had plenty of time to talk, but not many new things to talk about. Although we're, we're getting there. We're learning on that. As travel has evolved, our tips have evolved too. And incorporating the kids into the planning of it, our trips have become so much more than just the time that we're on the road, but it's the time preceding it when we're planning it, thinking about it, talking about it. And then it's the trip itself and then the memories that flow from that. And I really think that over time, so little of it has become the actual time we're on the go. And the best part is 
the exhaustion. You forget the exhaustion. You don't feel that anymore. You forget the yelling and the when somebody threw up in the back seat. And, you know, what do you mean you gave them milk? And now that <laughs> you're dealing with not only in the rental car. And over time, it's become... They are taking pride in the ownership of the trips too. They've helped plan it. They've grown. They've learned different things. And also, again, like many of us, we're just busy. And it's hard to have those moments at home because when you're home trying to get some family time, there's always laundry to be done and dishes to be done or kids going off to playing with their friends. And so that time in the car, even that time when you're Physically doing the traveling, some of the only time that the five of us are to truly together in literally in the same spot. And some of the conversations are good. Some <laughs> of the conversations are annoying. Sometimes you just want to get there. You're tired of asking for snacks and everything else. But it's also amazing. And it's so funny how it's both at the same time. Well, so you were talking about COVID too and being stuck at home for a long period of time. And having that time to talk to your kids, which is a priority for you. We historically have planned our trips to get away and relax, to have some downtime. And being home with our kids has been a little bit of too much to work with all at once, like everyone being at school and at work at the same time and having actually too much to do at home. But we've also had a large dose of just being home and relaxing and sort of escaping. I think over the summer, we did a really good job of finding ways to make an at-home escape that felt like a vacation at home. And I really was thinking about this as we were discussing how to change the lens for our travelers, part of Better Family Travel. And I'm starting to wonder if we shouldn't be separating the concept of vacation and travel. What do you think? I absolutely agree because there's some overlap, much like our, our Venn diagrams, I think, from math class and seventh grade algebra. Vacation is a noun. Vacation's a noun and travel's a verb and it's it's active. It's something you do. You travel and it is not perfect. Far from it, I think, at times. But there's something about the action of travel that changes you in so many positive ways. Vacation's great too. I think we all need relaxation, but vacation is a noun. So not all travel is vacation and not all vacation is travel. There definitely is some overlap. And I think great travel does make room for vacation. When I was a child, my dad was definitely the go, go, go. You were on the go from morning till evening and you saw all that there was to see and there was no real rest. As a teenager, especially, that was hard. We went to Florida, I think eighth grade. It was so funny because we landed at one airport in Florida. We flew out of a different airport. Couldn't tell you how many hundreds of miles we put on the car that week. And all I wanted to do was go back to school with the tan you know, proof that I, in February, New England girl, had been to Florida on vacation was all I wanted. And my parents, my family are not in any way beach people. 
So trying to get that tannin, that proof of my travel, that badge of honor was really hard to get. And so I like, I want to go to the beach. I want to go to the beach. We went to the sponge museum. I remember the sponge museum. To this day, I remember there's a film at the sponge museum and we were the only ones there. So we did get a good seat for the film at the sponge museum. And we watched a whole film about sponges. And then after we made time for the beach, and at that point it was raining. But to this day, I still have so much fun teasing my dad about the sponge museum. And we pretty much rank everything against, you know, when you're traveling, is it is it sponge museum kind of travel? Like, where are we at? You know, so I, at the time I was miserable. And dear God, as a parent now, my 13-year-old self wanting to be at the beach, I'm not sure exactly how pleasant I was to be around when all I wanted was a tan. But I remember the Sponge Museum. <laughs> I am really excited to take the what I remember topic. And we have to expand on that for an entire episode because what we remember and what our parents remember, what our children remember is all very different. And sometimes it's the memories that are made are not the ones that we expected to make. And they're not the ones that I expected that my children would have. Um, and I think that the things that I expect are starting to evolve. And if I took the mindset of vacation versus travel, maybe what I expect from my trip might change depending on what the goal or the purpose of the trip might be. Well, I think vacation sometimes has a lot of pressure with it, right? If you're on vacation, you better be rested. Have fun. <laughs> you better have fun. You better be rested. You better have some good pictures for Pinterest or Instagram or something to put up there. There's a lot of pressure with vacation in ways that we're and supposed who to. Who is the vacation for? <gasps> is it for your children? Do we get to vacation too? Or does it end up all being about everybody else having that vacation and one of us being the manager of the vacation? And I'm not well, saying it's always just me, but, or, or, you know, mom or whoever, but oftentimes there's one person that's driving that. Sure. Isn't that the kind of the joke too about moms on vacation, especially working moms on vacation, that you spend what a week packing or getting ready and getting to the airport. And then you're there and you're doing the dishes and the laundry and then making sure everyone gets there just to get home, to do the laundry, to unpack to go back to work the next day and you're flipping exhausted every time we go on vacation and i mean like go to the cape codder to go play in the water park and go to the beach and relax like a vacation every time we go my husband sends me the onion article about the mom who's doing dishes just with an ocean view this time like it's <laughs> Because he thinks it's funny, but it's true. You know, yes. so also, I think part of what we need to reach out uh, to the community about, too, is what we're doing to make vacations, true vacations for everybody and not have those expectations. Because you and I have both polled our children. And I am interested to share those results of those surveys as well in a future episode. But, you know, it turns out that there's probably some things I could be changing based on what's memorable for them that will allow me to enjoy our trips a little bit more as well. So that was, that's my vacation section there, you know, is I'd like to figure out what's making better vacation for them so that I can have a better vacation. And that might free up my mindset so that I can think about the travel piece of it. Do I want to make the trip to the vacation travel? 
Do I want to build something in there that will achieve the goal that I have of expanding their experiences, expanding their curiosity with the world, right? So like you said, I think there can be overlap, but I am able to think differently about the planning if I separate the purpose of the trip. It's funny. I don't know that I separate the purpose of the trip, but I separate some of the moments. And I don't try to make over time, not making any, putting too much pressure to make it all one thing or another. I like having, for me, the ideal trips are the ones that are a mixture of both that have some relaxation because I need to go back to work and I need to recharge my batteries and a little downtime with my family to truly appreciate them. But I also need that travel piece and not any one trip has to be all or, or, or nothing. I find that when you maybe identify, for instance, if you're going on a, a, a tr- you know, you're traveling vacation, pick one or two activities that are really important that you do that, you know, it's a win if you see this or get to this and also let memory work in your favor. You're only going to recall so much from the trip. So trying to pack everything in, you can't do everything. It's not possible. You'll never get to every place on the planet. You'll never get to every place, probably in Disney, unless that's your entire life right? You're not going to be able to do everything. You're not even going to be able to do like every best thing. You're going to have some experiences that are less than perfect. Like a leaky backseat. (laughs) (laughs) So do you, do you invite the kids into the conversation about what that one thing for the win might be? Or is that really still your? No, that's definitely. So it's funny because we're, we're, we're going to do our travel tip. And that, that's part of our, uh, our our segments, that one actionable tip that we can walk away with to bring and incorporate travel into our daily lives. And I'll, and I'll share mine now, actually, because it's, it's appropriate. What we do is we really make use of YouTube. I love YouTube for travel. Not necessarily, you know, there's so much, so much video content out there. And my kids don't have unlimited access to YouTube. They can only watch YouTube when my husband and I are watching it with them. They range in age nine, eight, and five. But as we're getting ready for a trip and start talking about a place, we really make use of those videos. Um, one of our favorite trips was a trip to Colorado Springs. I had I had a conference I had I was going to, and it fell across my oldest son, William's birthday, he was going to be six. So at that point we had a six-year-old, a four-year-old and a two-year-old because the rest of them hadn't, or almost two-year-old, sorry, he wasn't even two yet. And we had already gone on vacation that year. We had gone in January to Disney, which was a huge trip for us. It was like the, the biggest trip we'd ever been on flying with three small children. And then I had this opportunity. I had this conference at work come up and it fell over Will's birthday. So I said to my husband, Wade, I'm like, well, I really want to go on this, but I can't not be with him on his birthday. That's just not doable. So how are we going to make this work? You know, we've already spent our vacation budget, everything else. And I'm like, you know, I, I get a room as part of the conference. So, and we could probably work this out and my, my flight will be paid for. So it's really just getting the rest of you there. So luckily I can talk him into most things other than, as we know, a dog will never talk (laughs) into a dog, but I can talk him into a lot of things. He's pretty open once he adjusts it. So 
We did. We went on the trip to Colorado. But before the trip, what we did was we watched a lot of YouTube videos, usually about the month leading up to a trip. We start watching YouTube videos, sometimes at night, pulling up different things just to see what's in the area. And I remember with that trip in particular, that was the first time we really started talking to the older kids about travel and said, listen, I don't know if we'll ever go here again. You know, Colorado Springs was not on our radar, but we have an opportunity to go. I don't know if we'll ever go back. And at that time, Will, our oldest, was definitely one who liked to observe everything once and then do it. And he was missing out on a lot of opportunities and he was regretting it. So we were really cognizant of that to make sure he understood that if he saw something that he might be interested in, this might be the only chance to do it. We couldn't promise he would do it. I think you're making a really important point that I want to highlight. There's a lot of families with anxious kids and anxiety is ramping up really high for a lot of kids right now. I think that there are lots of families listening right now that have a kid who's unsure about a new experience, especially now. And your idea about preparing by using visual, the video, I mean, as, a, as somebody in special ed, this is definitely a technique that we use to help with desensitization of certain situations that can cause a lot of anxiety. And I think you just really identified a really great solution for some families. We have this practically boundless resource of information. And if it's not there, well, you could do like what we did way back in the day with my oldest when he was afraid of the car wash. I went through the car wash with the video camera and I went through it first, showed it to him. He knew what to expect. And then he was able to go through the car wash. But this is, this could be very, very helpful for a lot of families. Oh yeah. We both, my, my older two have some anxiety and it has helped with, we started actually with Maddie. We were so scared for our first flight that she wasn't going to get on the plane when she heard the noise. Cause she's very noise sensitive especially when she was four. And we really pictured us being that family that was tossed off the flight because we couldn't get our four-year-old on the plane. So that's where it really started, actually, now that I think about it. We would really talk about what that jetway, the, the, the to getting on the plane was going to look like. We found a Southwest video that somebody had, had taken for, I think for his autistic child, if I remember. I'm going back in my memory, but it was fantastic. We watched it over and over again. What is it going to sound like? What is it? What, what are they going to ask you to do when you get on the plane? And it made that part of the flight so much better when we did that. And so... Then we started doing it more, you know, we, well, here's the rides at Disney. So we did that for that trip. They were young, but the Colorado Springs one we had seen over the course of that year, Will was really sitting out things and showing him the options. What are the options? What are, you know? And so the day we flew to Colorado Springs and I'll, I'll wrap this up because I know that we're, we're coming up on time, but we left from Connecticut and we flew from Connecticut to um, Baltimore. And then we had the flight across to Denver. We're renting a car and we were going to drive down. So with three little kids, that's a lot, a lot of, of travel for the day. You know, you're up at three o'clock in the morning, you're exhausted. Back then we had to figure out how to get three car seats and all the luggage and three small children through the airport, which is a whole other show how to do that. And so the plan was we were going to drive from Denver to Colorado Springs and we wanted to see the Garden of the Gods, which is this beautiful stone formations and just not something you would see in New England. And we had showed the kids that. And we we did that. We got almost there and our 
almost two-year-old threw up in the back of the car and it, he only throws up when we travel i don't know and so we're cleaning that up we're tired we get then we get to garden of the gods we haven't checked in anywhere we're two hours you know behind where we think we are so our whole schedules are off and we walk around garden of the gods and at that point what we had dreamed about really was becoming a check the box like all right we did garden of the gods check we said we were gonna do it great looks great let's get to the hotel we're tired we have to figure out how to get these small children in bed fed all of that other stuff we're done and we we finished walking around and we were going back to the car and will said you know he was going to be six the next day actually and he said well what about the balancing rock and we said well i'm not really sure where it is here we'd seen these videos of this balancing rock which was this huge boulder that was really interesting tipped and it was it was a feature at the garden of the gods called the balancing rock i said gee well you know we just we don't know where to find it and he said, you know, mom, you said we might not ever come back here again. And I really wanted to see the balancing rock. So, all right, you know, back to the heart, like, okay, great. You were listening to that, that you listened to, you know, soccer <laughs> on the floor, but that you heard. <laughs> so, so we figure out how to find the balancing rock and we have the best pictures. We got there right actually almost at sunset. So you could see the sun through the two parts of the rock that were balancing. It was gorgeous. But the best part was the pride he took and still takes in the, he has more memories of telling us to go find the balancing rock than I think he actually has of the balancing rock. But, but that moment was pivotal for him. It really was. And for us to be like, take the time to go find the balancing rock because yes, you're tired. Yes, you're hungry. Yes, there's a million other things. And you're really not in the moment right now. We weren't, we weren't in the moment. We wanted to be, but we weren't. And taking that moment when, but he wouldn't have known about it without YouTube. So without the videos, he wouldn't have known that it was something we should go look for. And he took pride in that because he had control. He had yeah. some choice in that. He wasn't just being dragged along on a checkbox. It was a goal-oriented activity for okay. him. Mm -hmm. So now in hindsight, was it still a check off the box for everybody else or did it end up that everybody got something out of it? I think what, once the balance, once we saw the balancing rock and experienced it, it changed. It, it absolutely changed the vacation or the trip at that point. It really did. And we had different moments throughout, you know, that whole time, but finding the balancing rock in that moment, the, we were all in the moment. And in that moment we were present and we've taken that part out and, and getting ready for this. I showed the kids last night, some of the pictures, some of the videos on YouTube again, and they didn't even recognize the garden of the gods because it's been a number of years now. It's been three years and in their little lifetimes, that's a long time. Right. And Daniel, our littlest wouldn't have memories anyway. But then they get to the video and there was the balancing rock and Maddie says, there's the balancing rock. There it is. So that's, that's there. And that's a moment. And again, I know we were exhausted. I know we were cleaning up, you know, from a car sick child and we were hungry and didn't know where we were going to the hotel, but I forget that part. That part is long gone, but we, I think we'll ever forever have finding the balancing rock. So that's cool. I think that's a great tip. I think preparing yourself or a, even an individual in your family for a trip in a very purposeful way can open up opportunities that you might not otherwise have. 
Yeah. yeah, I think that's great. So we have a segment, Ask Better Family Travel, from our, our better family travelers out there. And one of the questions that were put to us is, Kathleen, how do you handle kids? This one was said especially toddlers, but all ages, in restaurants uh, with during the course of travel, thinking of things like manners, tantrums, picky eating. Um, how do you handle that? Okay. I hope that my answer is not unpopular, but I really want you to take it from a mom and from my experience in early intervention, which for 15 years I worked with babies and families, and then I have had my own personal experiences with my own babies and my family. Friends, this is not the time to prove to the world that your kids can sit at a table without a tablet. It makes me cringe, just like the rest of you, to think about three little heads looking at a screen while you're in a beautiful restaurant somewhere outside home while you're traveling or on vacation. But part of self-care and truly getting the most out of your vacation and your travel experiences is making decisions that allow you to enjoy the moment that you are in as well. I am more than happy to devote an entire segment on ways to spend screen-free time at a restaurant. I have lots of input about that, lots of ideas and lots of experience. And that's certainly something that is worth striving for. It's important for our children's development and it's important for the family dynamic. Absolutely. But we're talking about travel and vacation. And I know it can be hard to let go of some of those expectations that you have for kids at the table, but this is a time to focus on who the trip to the restaurant is for. Um, you're not at the restaurant because you want your kids, not necessarily, to enjoy the restaurant itself or to learn from the cuisine that's available, usually. That's not usually the purpose of going to a restaurant when you're on a trip. Um, that's why we as adults are there. So number one, forgive yourself and allow them to stay occupied so that you can enjoy your bread, your martini, or your bread and your martini. And number two, when, they, when the servers ask you, do you want us to bring your kids food first? Say no. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't expect that? No. Say no. I cannot tell you how many times we've watched our kids wolf down their food. And then and I'm talking about the little, when they were really, really little. Yeah. Wolf down their food, then get antsy. And then barely be able to taste our own meals as we inhale them and then race to get out the door and away from the table. For us, it has worked a lot better to have all the food delivered at once. When we have had restaurant experiences on vacation, knowing ahead of time that the kids would be finished first and we wouldn't even enjoy our dinner, we stopped ordering for ourselves. We had our kids order their food. They picked it bread, got full, their food arrived. They didn't even eat it. Then they got antsy and we couldn't eat our food. So my husband and I stopped ordering our own meals. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's done this. And we ate their leftovers because that's what my vacation had boiled down to was picking at the leftovers of my kids in a place where I just wanted to relax. So I've really come around to the realization that self-care is absolutely has a place on vacation. And if I want to enjoy my meal, it's okay if the kids are occupied with tablets for a little while. I do have other ideas and there are other ways to occupy them, but just for those of you who are still having trouble forgiving yourself and letting yourself make that decision, I'm giving you permission. I, I have you know, had tons of education and training on child development and I promise you that a couple of nights in a restaurant on your vacation on a cell phone is not going to break their development. It's okay to enjoy your meal. 
picky eating is really hard. Being able to pack a couple of snacks in your bag, things that you know your kids will like. If they don't eat a full, well-rounded meal at dinner, but they eat something that they like that keeps them happy and not hangry, it's okay not to have a perfect meal at that point as well. Picking and choosing where you're aiming for those developmental goals you have for your kids. I want them to eat a wide variety of foods and I want them to be able to entertain themselves without technology. That all has a place, but I really encourage families to be forgiving of themselves when you are on a trip because there are places to have those battles and on vacation is probably not the place you want to have those battles. Well, and every restaurant experience or meal experience isn't the same one. So what are you trying to get out of that? If you're trying to, even with your littlest, if you do want to enjoy their company at the restaurant, you know, maybe dinner isn't the time to do that after they've been playing all day or in the pool. We've had good uh, restaurant experiences with our kids where they were little and it was linen tablecloths and everything else, but I sure wouldn't have done it at five o'clock, six o'clock at night. Those were noontime meals. And then we had like a light dinner. So it depends what our experience, what we're trying to get out of it. If my husband and I are looking for a date and we don't have a sitter, yeah, some tablet time might be okay at that one. If we're looking to expose them to a different type of experience, one of their favorite restaurants that they went to on one of our trips was a place called Fire and Ice, which... Oh, that place is awesome. It's really, really cool. But it has some built-in entertainment for the kids, too. Absolutely. It does. And my son, who's such a picky eater, still loves that. And I found myself, what did you love about that? (laughs) And he's like, they made me salmon plain. I'm like, okay. Okay. (laughs) And he had the salmon in it, but they cannot wait to travel across country to go to this one restaurant again we also don't all treat them the same what's okay we've made we've we've because they're different ages we have done stuff with the littlest guy that we would have never put the situation for the oldest ones in we would never have taken our oldest at two years old to certain things and the littlest guy gets dragged along so we have been those people in the restaurant that have given the two-year-old the tablet and told the older two that they need to participate in the conversation they're like <laughs> what? And we're like, no, you're older. We wouldn't have done this to him. And he tunes out and you can sit and talk to mom and dad. And you know, maybe after dinner, they can kind of, but we've, yeah. Oh yeah. We've told them like, oh no, that's just for him. Not for you. I like that. Cause it's not an all or nothing. You have ways to create a balance and it doesn't always look the same. And you know, your comment about the salmon too is important to add about picky eaters, picky eating can rule your life. If you have a picky eater, how many people are nodding their heads right now? Picky eating can literally govern how you schedule your day, where you go and who you socialize with. I understand that. So it is okay to ask for modifications of food at a restaurant. Most of the time, a lot of different varieties of what's on the menu is available. And if you need to have something prepared without a piece of the the listed dish on the menu, just ask. It cannot hurt to ask because it could make for a happy child, which makes for happy parents, which makes for a happy trip. So be brave and ask the question and see if you can get what your child needs. Absolutely. That's my answer. Awesome. Well, Kathleen, thank you for that. And I look forward to having more questions from our travelers out there for future shows. But I think we're coming to the end of our time. 
And I would like to thank you for joining us on Better Family Travel and being part of the CMG Podcast Network. You can find us at clovercrossmedia.com and make sure to visit our website at betterfamilytravel.com for the latest tips, trends, stories, and adventures that meet your family's needs. And make sure you follow us on social media at Better Family Travel. Better Family Travel, I'm Amy. I'm Kathleen. Happy travels.